As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome in to another Hold That Podcast podcast brought to you by The Athletic. T-Bob Bear here, host of Off the Bench Radio Show here in Baton Rouge. Uh, I got Brody Miller at Brody A. Miller on Twitter. He writes excellent LSU-based pieces for The Athletic. Brody, what's up, dude? Not too much, man. Nice to be back after a little, what, two-week two hiatus? Maybe a little more? Yeah. So yeah, it's good, to, yeah. good to be back on. Maybe a couple weeks of change. It is good to be back on. We got a uh, good one for you today as uh, in the interim time there was a um a pretty uh there was a coaching change on this lsu team as uh, out of nowhere james craig is gone very oddly time but then you get arkansas o-line coach brad davis will break that down real quick here at the beginning um then i think the other news we want to get on is uh it started last monday or tuesday at the beginning of june uh basically um recruiting kind of got back to normal you can have camps you can host kids on unofficials and officials and LSU has been very busy. So we'll break that down as well. If my voice sounds like shit, it's because I've stayed up till 1 a.m. the last two nights watching Whoa. LSU baseball only then to uh you know wake up for a, a morning were you show. You sound like a club where baseball happened to be on and you're like, "Ah, I'm working." Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh no, I felt like well whatever, it doesn't matter, but no, we're pushing through it. We're feeling good. Anytime I start to feel like this, I'm, I, I go the Tom Brady route. I just drink a ton of water, and I start to feel much better. Um, so that's what happened. All right, though. Let's go ahead and dive into the coaching change, Brody. Out of nowhere, um, we wake up to the news that James Craig and LSU are parting ways. Uh, shocking, given the timing of it. I mean, we're here in June, a couple months before the season starts. Um, I know that, like I said the other day, there's no way to frame this as a positive thing, although it does get a little more interesting. You talk about Brad Davis, but just time wise, it's really bad. Uh, do we know, uh, what led to James Craig and LSU parting ways after like, I mean, you've talked about it before uh, when the season ended, they thought about doing this, the more traditional route. Like, do they maybe want to go somewhere else? With their aligned coach, they decided to roll with Craig, retain Craig. And um, so why now? What happened? Yeah, I think I think we can say this much because, like you said, this was not planned or expected or anything like that. This was not LSU being like, hey, here's a good time to do it. No, I mean, 
I think what we can say, and it's been put out there pretty consistently on LSU's end, is that essentially, yeah, I mean, uh, James Craig was, I don't know if you want to call it accused or whatever, of some recruiting violations during, you know, some things maybe with Clemson uh, or a recruit who's now at Clemson. And yeah, basically LSU's hand was forced and they had to part ways with James Craig in the middle of June before the most important recruiting month. I mean, possibly ever and yeah i mean it's a very unfortunate situation for pretty much everyone involved i would say but all what i'll give them credit for i guess is this was a potentially really bad situation and they actually acted really really swiftly in the span of about a day or you know i think they knew this was coming for a few days so a few days whatever and yeah locked down a guy who and Brad Davis at Arkansas, who, for what it's worth, USC tried to steal him. We heard some things about Alabama in the past trying to steal him, and everyone kind of failed. I mean, no one's been able to get Brad Davis, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But LSU was able to, one, buck up the money. They were able to bring, and they were able to sell coming home to Baton Rouge. And, yeah, I mean, what could have been a disaster, and by the way, like you said, should not be framed as a positive. It's still a negative situation. But what could have been a disaster is suddenly actually turning into what could be a kind of good situation for LSU, weirdly enough. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, I, I think the timing hurdle is still probably the biggest hurdle to get over, uh, just like getting to know, because obviously James Craig had an incredible continuity with um, with this current offensive line. And so to me, that's the biggest problem is getting those guys on the same page, him starting to understand those players' strengths. He's never – you know, had them in a game situation, so he won't have the advantages that a Craig have. Like, okay, I maybe need to push this button here. Maybe I like this guy in this matchup more. Here's how I want to handle that rotation. He'll be figuring that out a bit more by the seat of his pants this year, which has been unfortunate because with the current O-line, uh, the single greatest advantage that they had or trade going in the year was continuity. So wait, um, let me jump in on this. Yeah. I want to ask I want to ask you a question. Okay, so the way I always saw this, though, was like, and maybe this is just how my brain works, is like, yeah, but if you're if this is ever going to happen, like thank God it's at least an offensive line that has all been starters for a year or two. It is experienced, so it's like he doesn't have to come in and like coach up an O line right away. It's settled. But yeah. as an offensive lineman yourself, who's been on experienced lines, would you say, be like what being an experienced line? What does yeah? Walk me through like what having a new coach. No, you're might right. Do. No, I mean look, you're absolutely right. Actually, it's kind of funny. I I, I don't like talk about my playing experience too much, but uh, I do I like have some interesting parallels here to yeah. draw from because Coach Crackdorp was supposed to be our C before my senior year, 2011. We ended up playing for the Natty, and right before the season, he got Parkinson's, yep. and so they made the O line coach the um, offensive coordinator, Coach Stud. So on game day, we did not have an O line coach on the sideline. Uh, now Ben Wilkerson was awesome for technique and everything else. I don't know what the game day rules were, but like he didn't coach on game day. Like Insminger would kind of dual tight end and O line, but for really the most part, it was us coaching ourselves. Because we were all upperclassmen. We had nine guys that had started. And we never had a guy in Josh Durasic who was like one of the leaders and a really good player who had blown out his knee. So he became a pseudo coach himself. So like, no, I mean, you're right. It's not as bad as it would be making the switch with an inexperienced O-line. It just maybe I'm trying to see. It's weird because I'm trying to see where I think the biggest negative is. Because even in recruiting, while this isn't ideal, uh, Davis was at Arkansas. So, like, I talked to Will Campbell on the radio the other day, big five-star tackle out of mm-hmm. Neville. That's, you know, a key 
cornerstone of this 2022 class. And he's like, I have a great relationship with Coach Davis. Like, I've been knowing him for a while. So even there, wow. there's like a lot of, like, he already knows these players. He's been recruiting. Now he just gets to do it for LSU. And if you're talking about recruiting, I mean, you help me out here. Isn't that also kind of where Davis is viewed as being the biggest upgrade over Craig? Because Craig was a great X's and O's guy, great technique guy. He did such a good job of having these LSU offensive lines with like a million revolving parts still have success uh, and like freshman quarterbacks and everything last year. But like, isn't Davis known or in that like recruiting is viewed as one of his strengths? No. I think so. I mean, here's what I will say. It's not like he's landed, you know, like massive fish. I will in mm. one year at Arkansas, he did land three four star guys. And obviously recruiting's always weird because you never quite know like who's landed him in reality. But still, he gets credit for three alignment, three four star alignment at Arkansas in one year. So that's a really good sign. But it's always tricky because like a guy like him, who by the way took the path that I always prefer for a position coach, is like rising up from small schools up. He it's not like there's huge fish on his resume to be able to be like, man, you know, I don't John DeCoster yeah. off the top of my head being like he landed Eric Gilbert, you know, like he doesn't have that or something, but he has, he is known as a ferocious recruiter. He is known as a guy who is good at, it seems like I should say is good at evaluating and whatnot and finding the right guys because he has been at schools that aren't necessarily powers and is, and is one with them and developed good offensive lines there. So I think it's tricky because I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Brad Davis is actually coming in and like some home run recruiter, but he knows the recruiting world more. And listen, I, I spent a decent chunk of time defending James Craig a lot, but the recruiting with James Craig was not his strength. I mean, even his biggest wins are not guys I'm not sure you're attributing to James Craig. You know, like Cardell Thomas, for example, or like Will Campbell, I think, was coming to LSU regardless, you know, or things yeah. like that. Or, you know, I, he gets credit for Garrett Dellinger, absolutely. But still, like, I don't – recruiting was sometimes an issue with Craig. I mean, there are some, unfortunately, like pretty rough stories of, of you know – him you know maybe not going on trips or stuff like that or not like doing things he was supposed to do in recruiting and that's that's a tricky thing you always have to kind of tiptoe around but that's just want to jump his... in it, it does kind of make sense given his past which is more nfl based exactly. so his strengths would lie in the x's and o's and the technique whereas brad davis has been exclusively college for 16 years now so he understands that recruiting yeah, thank is you for landing that for me as yeah that's what i was trying everything. to get to yeah like that's just not Craig's world. He's a good football coach. I don't. I do not think, and he became a fine recruiter, but that was not his his world or his expertise. And I think that is kind of Davis's expertise a little bit more. So I think that's promising. And I like the fact, like I was saying, that he's more landing offensive linemen at your James Madison's, your East Carolinas, your North Texas's, then Florida, then Mizzou. I mean, aside from Florida, pretty much like a real progression. And I actually find that valuable, especially with the position like offensive line recruiting, where evaluation, maybe next to quarterback, is the hardest thing to figure out in an offensive line. I mean, it's it's really tricky. And I think Craig and LSU, I'm not sure to blame, but like have had some pretty big misses on the O-line. And to be fair, everyone does. It's yeah. really hard to evaluate that position. But I think that's a positive for him that he's been evaluated evaluating longer at this level but and finding more diamond in the rough guys that's a really good sell and then lastly like you're saying the idea that he's already been in the sec for four full years now and then that so it's not that's why i kind of like the idea of him and alex atkins most when this was all happening because they're guys who know the region know the level are recruiting the same guys you know what i'm saying so that that just yeah. makes that easy while like i'm a y or a ben wilkerson that was thrown out there it's like they actually have a big learning curve like brad davis in this emergency situation and i'm sorry for rambling here no brad you're right davis you're right could could jump in like this crazy situation this week and the biggest recruiting month in recent memory could jump right in and start recruiting and know these guys that's 
that's a huge save in what could have been a disaster. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It directly combats, which was the biggest issue, which is the timing. Uh, so, because it, it smooths out that transition. I, I was, the last thing I would say about Davis is just that at least there was a market for him, right? And it's not to say that, it's not to say that 100% of the time, like whatever, like there was no market for O, and he's been a successful hire for LSU. Uh, but then there was no market for Pelini, and he was a terrible hire. If you're a Pelicans fan, there was no market for Stan Van Gundy, and that has not worked out very well at all through one year. <laughs> like, so it, it, if nothing else, if you're an LSU fan, take a little solace in the fact that USC tried to hire him, and these other SEC schools tried to hire him away. There was a market for him to the point where even at Arkansas, he's already making over 600k. And then, uh, good for Brad Davis, dude, Scott Woodward doing what Scott Woodward does. Scott Woodward is a fundraiser, okay? Yep. And he is not afraid to bust out the golden handcuffs to get his top target, and he's done it once again. And great for Brad Davis. Not only does he get to come home, but who wouldn't love to wake up in the middle of one week and be like, hey, you get to go live where you want to live, and you get a 30% raise. What? Like, hell yeah, dude. I'm in. So now Brad Davis is making over 800 k as an O-line coach. Good for him. And I would say this. Another benefit to all of this, more added diversity to the staff. We talked it about that, on yeah. this show. It's it was it's it's been a problem not just at LSU but really kind of throughout football. But I think as players are becoming more cognizant of some of the disconnect, uh, you know, not seeing yourself represented in the staff, that's tough, man. And and especially when you go through kind of the social awakening of the last few years and last summer, and we we talked about how it wasn't necessarily handled the best at LSU. Um, you know, I, I can't remember. I don't know if LSU's ever had a black O-line coach. So uh, it's it, that's just a another positive to this higher outside looking in. I'm glad you put it like that because yeah, I actually have a piece coming out either this week or next week, but soon. That's you know a deep dive into basically LSU doing a lot of soul searching with you know basically the way they handled diversity and inclusion at the entire university. And and you put it well that it's like it's not about just like checking a box to make people happy which i know how like a lot of ignorant people tend to respond to these things of like affirmative action like as a criticism it's like no you, you put it perfectly it's actually going to help your football program the idea that you have a roster of at least i want to say like 75 percent yeah black young men and the idea that your staff was last year like 70 percent no i mean older white I mean, guys, but dude frankly. is that not like that right there is why affirmative action exists that doesn't make you cannot sit here and tell me logically that 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 the, the best people are just always getting the job when when there's that much of a disconnect between 
the demographic of the players and the demographic of the coaches. That's just absurd. No. It's just Baton absurd. Rouge is majority black and the LSU staff is majority white. Like that doesn't, you know, that uh, there's it, a clear non like relationship. There. Exactly. So anyway, and that's not why Brad I, Davis was hired, but, no. but it's, but it's, it's a sign that they're moving in the right direction. It's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing I want to say on Craig and, and Davis, and then we can move on is just the idea that Craig, like we said, tricky three-year career in the sense that, Brutal first year, but it's hard to really blame him. Huge improvement year two, and then 2020 is just like a 50-50 year. It's just kind of – it's not good. It's not bad. It's just fine, you know? And But the problem with – I'm not blaming Craig. Again, it might be evaluation by the whole staff, but it might be it might be Craig's development ability. I don't literally know, but we've talked about it at length. There is a problem with the, the future of this offensive line and looking at the depth and things like that, yeah. that those guys just aren't developing behind the scenes. And I'm not throwing that as like a direct shot at Craig. Cause I think that development is such a complicated thing, but that doesn't mean that Brad may be having a change there, maybe pivoting to a guy like Brad Davis. That is just has different skills, brings different things to the table. It might be worse. Who knows? But that might be something that might be a positive that, all right, right now you have this Uber experience starting line that you don't have to like, pour your resources into fixing right right away yeah. and you can come in and maybe spend a little more time as a new fresh voice developing those behind the scenes guys there might be like a weird silver lining there but i don't know that so it's just no, a theory no but that's, that's that's a great point in terms of resource allocation right we all only have yeah. so much energy and so many hours in the day um all right so i feel like i feel like that's actually probably the best not you know I'm, I I may be a bit biased, but I feel like it's probably the best Coach Davis like 15 minutes you're going to find anywhere if you're an LSU fan listening. Uh, so now let's move on to recruiting. Uh, because I like this confident T Bob, by the way, I like when you're just like, <laughs> you know what, I nailed that. Like, uh, no, I mean, I just think that like you're not going to find. That's why we do this whole that podcast podcast because you're not going to find a better kind of critically thought out explanation than what you just did. Other people might give you like more resume based stuff, but whatever. Um, let's talk about recruiting though, because uh, especially with O-line, right? This 2022 class, it's a huge deal, but I don't know if I want to talk about individual recruits as much. There are some names that did really sure. well during yeah. camp that we can mention. I think the big takeaway with recruiting right now is it officially opened up again at the beginning of June and LSU hit the ground running. I think they had something like over 1,200 campers last week. They had six official visits. Uh, they had like 15 unofficial visits or something around there. Uh, the volume. Oh, and then coming up this weekend, we're recording this on Tuesday, June 8th. Coming up this weekend, there's a, um, a Coach Baglow's put together a seven-on-seven tournament that features 42 teams. Um, there's more officials coming in. Like, it's just, uh, it's almost like there was so much pent up, uh, potential energy, right. From, from the last year of COVID and not being able to do these visits and everything that LSU is just going over the top with just the volume of guys that they are moving through this system right now. Yeah. And you know, one thing that was always kind of said behind the scenes, like for the past year is, and it's a really good point that LSU would make sure to put out there is that. When you win a national championship, those next few months are gold. They yep, are yep. you get they are just free, free, free marketing and bragging rights that every recruit that comes to town, you get to show them that trophy case. You get to show, oh, you know, whatever school you just visited, well, they didn't just win a national championship and have a Heisman winner and win the Blitnikoff. And you just get to 
flex on and then on top of that lsu had just opened the football operations building this massive like it was the state of the art it was number one i don't know if it's still number one because two years have passed now you know what i mean but that was going to be the first full off season with this unreal facilities and all these things and it was kind of like they again i don't feel bad for lsu they're still cranking out top five classes poor lsu but that was a huge l to be able to like not be able to cash in on that title not be able to cash in on these massive resources you just put into facilities and then go five and five and that kind of dampens things and, and all then that. alabama wins the natty just to like salt exactly. the wound a little bit so it is i again i don't think you can cancel out that l but it's just so huge for lsu to be able to finally and everyone is everyone's been fighting this battle but to be able to finally show off these facilities again to have all these guys coming in and like you're saying some big names five-star guys a lot of a big offensive line focus you already have a really loaded in-state class right now that looks quite frankly kind of filthy i mean one of the better i can't think of that many better louisiana classes at least at the very top right where you definitely not from an o-line perspective will campbell walker howard and jacoby matthews all five stars in state like that's just not that common and then yeah like you're saying there's some really good o-linemen that are pretty deep there too anyway so you have that part kind of locked down and now you can spend this next few months obviously focusing on in-state kids too but really bringing in these guys from texas and california and washington they have a guy this weekend and all that and really start selling that it is huge and this next few weeks are gonna we're gonna learn so much about like where foot like where trends are going because we're finally seeing it all like come to a, a head yeah and uh I don't, I don't know how much of the uh recruiting videos you watch from the weekends uh i think if, they're, if we're talking about guys that maybe stood out um uh, there's that d lineman from madison prep quincy wiggins who yeah. it seems like the coaches really enjoyed he had a big time camp watching him and will campbell go toe-to-toe was a lot of fun um there's that receiver in the 2023 class is it omarion davis Miller, I believe. Miller, Omarion Miller. It's Omarion Miller who had this like crazy. He had a really good weekend overall, but you know, there's this kind of uh, uh, this kind of urban legend that's coming about. There's this crazy highlight where he just like AJ Green's a dude, just like jumps over him and just reaches over the top of him, just snags about. It's a great catch, and like the the the, the story being told is that Coach O like immediately offered him after the play. Um, but so, so there's, there's there's some names starting to emerge to me though i care less about that because we're so far away from these classes being settled right that so much is going to happen uh what i do love though is you did have a couple guy earn their ways to scholarship offers and i think that's awesome and i and i asked coach o about that this morning and i was like you know if, if you're talking like a young athlete out there that wants to try to get a college college scholarship what is the value of trying to earn your way through one of these camps and he said it's the best way uh, to go out there and compete and so the coaches get eyes on you and they know what it's actually like to work with you and get hands on you like there's a three cat uh there's a three-star center Fitzgerald that just got an offer this weekend that would not have gotten an offer if he had not gone to camp and done well and impressed the coaches so if like you're a young athlete listening to this or something or maybe you're a parent who has a kid like uh encourage them to put themselves out there don't be afraid to you know go to these things and fail because uh, that just uh, is what it is. If you go there and you succeed, uh, you could set yourself up for more success that you maybe wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, and no, that's such an essential part to bring up because as much as we're talking about the benefits of just the recruiting, the evaluate losing the evaluation window this past year 
I don't think we'll know the repercussions of that for a few years. You know what I mean? Like we won't be able to tell this year, but it's going to be so interesting to look back at say this 2021 class that just came in three years from now across the country and see like how off it was or how accurate it was. Like maybe we're actually learning that like some of what we do are inefficiencies. I don't know. But like, the idea of being like you're saying a Jordan Matthews, you know, 2023 Baton Rouge kid going be one of the first people there and earning an offer. You know, that's a great example. I think things like that. I mean, I just wrote that story on Jack Besh, I believe two weeks ago, and it focused on this kind of out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, but rise up the ranks in the span of months from being like a guy with offers from UL to then being a guy LSU and other SEC powers are fighting over. And, Again, as much as like that's a cute, cool story to be like, man, this guy just tore it up his senior year and shot up the ranks. It's not entirely true because in reality, he had been he'd gone from you know five eleven four guy who runs a four eight to a, then like a six one and a half guy who ran a four five and became the stud. And that normally, in any other normal evaluation period he would have been doing the camp circuits all spring and summer. He would have been going to LSU's camp this month, last summer. And he would have been, I mean, LSU people even said, they're like, realistically, he would have shown us that in June and he would have gotten an offer from us in June. You know, he would have became a a solid four-star way earlier, but unfortunately at the evaluation period, no one could do that. And so LSU weren't even really sold on Jack Besh until they were already kind of watching Walker Howard all the time and stuff like that. And they kind of knew who Besh was and they happened to be watching his film and are like, this guy is an absolute stud, but how I bring that up to say, how often did that not happen? You know what I mean? Like, how yeah, often no, for sure. Fell in the cracks because this evaluation period. So that's going to be so huge for, that's not an LSU advantage. It's an everyone advantage just to be able to really get out there, do your homework. And it's why, and I want to do a story on this eventually, if they'll let me is I I'm so fascinated in the fact that LSU is pouring resources into scouting right now. They've, I mean, I think four or five, like, pure scouting hires as like recruiting scouts and like really focusing on that. And I wonder how tied that is into just how important the valuation is going to be this next year as it is kind of just like a wild, wild west a little bit. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that part. Yeah, and uh, and now they love Jack Besh, and they've got a uh, might start. Yeah, they, and, and and look, they've got they've got like you said a ton of camps coming up, a ton of opportunity to check out more of those guys. So uh, unfortunately, it looks like real life is barging in on me over here. But I don't know that I really have anything else to say on the matter. I mean, I think I think LSU's recruiting class is tracking very well right now. Like I said, I love the volume of guys that they're moving. And then uh, we'll just kind of see where this thing goes from here. Um, going to Nashville? Uh, what's that? You going to Knoxville? Um, I am not. I want to set up like a watch party maybe for Saturday. You should. Yeah. I, I just got approved to go to Knoxville. Back on the baseball beat. Nice. Week, baby. Hey, check this out. Do you hear this? Listen. Oh, I got a new mechanical keyboard. It's awesome. Is that the sound of you gaming for the weekend instead of going to Knoxville? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, though. Uh, I got to roll. Uh, Brody Miller, thank you so much. At Brody A. Miller on Twitter. Shout out to The Athletic. Uh, shout out to... Um, oh, why am I blanking right now? Um, blah, 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 blah. Who does all the awesome t-shirts? They just give us shirts. Homefield. Homefield. God, I know. No, they're doing a two-week... My fellow Hoosier sons. They're doing a two-week takeover of our show, actually, our radio show. They're awesome. I cannot wait for Saturday when y'all get to see designs. They look fantastic. If you like the show, rate it, review it on iTunes. Share it with your friends. We'll be back with more Hold That Podcast Podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Ooh.